Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are talking about two plaintiffs, and these plaintiffs are spouses together, and these spouses guarantee the obligations of a company that one of the spouses is a director of. Now, these obligations are reasonably significant. What we're talking today about is $9 million worth of a finance facility from a lender, right? So what the spouses do is they cause the company to borrow this money, $9 million, in order to further a development project, and then they guarantee the obligations of that contract. Sorry for you shaking around so much. I'll blame the wind. They guarantee the obligations of that contract, including by providing a mortgage on their home. So it's a fairly solemn obligation that is guaranteed. Now, what happens uh, is that as part of that negotiation, the process is a little bit complicated. We have our lender on the one side who is looking to loan the $9 million, and we have some fairly serious and solemn terms in the loan, uh, and it's sort of a pretty complex, pretty lengthy kind of a document. Now, um, the document includes some terms such as the money being lent and, and all that sort of thing. One of the terms it includes is that it is for a 15 month period. So I'll just plant that seed with you, we'll come back to that. Um, it includes a term that allows for the payment of a fee that is described in the judgment as hefty, a hefty fee in the case of potential events of default, some of which are not in the control of the company or the plaintiff. And it also includes a term about default interest. And so default interest can be charged by the lender according to this contract, uh, even if that default is fixed. So let's say I default tomorrow, um, then the in interest rate goes up. Let's say I fix the default the day after that. Even though I fixed it, the default interest is still charged, right? So we've got these lending terms. It's worth bearing them in mind. Now, the reason it's worth bearing them in mind is we're dealing today with the Contracts Review Act and an argument that the contract ought to be declared void pursuant to the unjust contract provisions in that act. Now, there are two types of injustice that can relate to a contract, but a threshold question is, look, is this a commercial contract? Is this about business? Because if it's about business, then the act in this particular way does not apply. And so what was initially raised was, yeah, it's for business, it's for residential development. And the answer to that was like, no, as far as the plaintiffs are concerned, it's not the plaintiffs who are going and doing the development. It's the plaintiffs who are guaranteeing the obligations of a company who is in business. They are not in business themselves. And so the court found, yeah, it's fine. The act applies because this is not a business contract. Right. So the next question is to think about the different kinds of unfairness. You can have unfairness in a contract under these provisions that arises from the actual substance of the contract, right? What is actually in there that the parties have to do? That can be unfair. You can also have procedural unfairness, the way that the parties entered into the contract, the actual facts, um, the actual way the timeline unfolds um, is itself unfair. And so these were matters for the court to consider. Right, so how did the parties enter into the contract? Well, in the preparation of the contract, um, there was no real negotiation. And indeed, the plaintiffs asked for changes, including an extension of that 15-month period that would have allowed <coughs> the development to be completed. Because at the time, the plaintiffs knew they'd need more than 15 months, that 15 months was all the lender was prepared to give. 
Uh, and so the lender was also aware that they need more than 15 months. So we might call this sort of a bridging, <coughs> a short-term finance, the bridging finance type arrangement. Uh, but the process of entering into the contract was further complicated by the fact that the spouses did not have a perfect command of English. And the first set of lawyers that the spouses instructed had raised this with the lender and said, look, my clients don't have a perfect command of English. We need to arrange <coughs> a translator in order to give them the opportunity to understand their obligations under the contract and to understand my advice. Now the lender took the view that this was essentially a delaying tactic and they said, look, fire your lawyers, get some new lawyers now, or we're gonna pull the deal. So they're applying really solemn and serious pressure on the spouses, on our plaintiffs today, to cease um, with their existing lawyers and to instruct new ones. And they succumb to that pressure. So they instruct new lawyers. Now, due to the uh, defendant applying this pressure, the new lawyers don't really have time to advise because the deadline for entering into this deal that the lender has created themselves is approaching. And so the new lawyer goes, oh, here's some advice on how the agreement works, but the lawyer has no time to engage and negotiate and suggest changes, nor is there time to get a translator. And the lender, the defendant is aware of all this at the time, aware of the time precautions, aware of the suggestion that the plaintiffs don't have perfect command of English and require the assistance of a translator and goes ahead anyway. And so the court is left to work through this scenario. Remember we've got our, was it procedurally unfair and is it substantively unfair? And so the court goes and looks at this scenario and looks at the terms of the contract and how they weigh on the plaintiff. And it also looks at um, what the defendant was aware of. Now the defendant was aware of this translator issue, was aware of these suggestions being made. Um, the defendant was aware that the development would take longer than 15 months and indeed uh, it wasn't, certainly wasn't completed and if I recall correctly, wasn't even commenced within the 15 month period and the lender went ahead in any case. And what the court found was that in some disputes like this, there's the opportunity to seek to have the entire contract declared void, the whole thing is gone. Um, that's not the path the court elected here. The court said, you know that clause that allows you to charge default interest even after the default is fixed? Well, that's unfair, that's gone, that's void. And the clause that allows you to charge this hefty fee um, in the event of a potential default. Um, that is also unfair and that's void. The reason that's unfair is because the company and the plaintiffs have no control over it. But otherwise, the plaintiffs are left with the deal with just those two little terms removed. Hope that discussion assisted you. Hope you're somewhere warm. And I look forward to speaking again soon uh, over another coffee or two and in respect of another case note. Cheers.